0: So good to be here with you tonight. It's always a privilege to be at Soma, uh, to to be a part of this body and community, and to, to worship with you. And um, an honor to be able to uh, to bring the word tonight. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marvin Slayton. I'm one of the overse- overseeing elders here at Soma. So every week, I uh, I take my dog Daisy and. We go for walks, and about three or four times a week, we go for about a three-mile walk, okay? And so um, so that's exercise for her and I, you know? And um, But the primary thing for the walk is that I get to spend extended time. It's usually roughly about 50 minutes. Extended time in prayer and time just listening uh, to the Spirit of the Lord and what He's telling me. Let me tell you, the past couple of months what the Holy Spirit's been telling me has been hard to take. You you guys ever been in those seasons? It's been hard to take because in the way the Holy Spirit can do, graciously, mercifully, tender, but yet challenging and convicting, he's been highlighting multiple areas of self in my life, of selfishness, of selfish ambition, where I'm putting myself and my needs my priorities before his and before family, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know what I did? I just, I stopped listening to the Holy Spirit. I said, man, this isn't any good. (laughs) I'm just playing with you guys. Lighten up, everybody shake out a little bit. Don't, Don't hang me up here. No, but he's been highlighting just these areas of self, self, and self, and You know, it's interesting, this, as I was preparing the message this week on overcoming self, it's just like God to put me in a week where I have my normal work and responsibility with modern day, the organization that I work for, and then I have the responsibility of preparing this message on top of that, okay, on overcoming self, and then this week, my wife and my two kids are sick the whole week. My wife and oldest kid was strep throat. Okay, and so for those of you who know me really well, you know that the gift of empathy, taking care of people, nursing people back to health when they're sick, you know, when you take those gifting tests, it's way down there, like not on the paper. And so God's got me in this grinder here. You know, he's like, oh, you're going to speak on overcoming self. Let me show you this week about how you can really do that in your own life, in the area that you are the worst at in your life. Can I get an amen, Andrea? (laughs) She knows. I get those looks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know the looks I'm talking about. Keith Green said this. A lot of you know Keith Green. He, he lived here. He moved here from California. He, he died uh, tragically in a plane crash in the early 80s. Uh, most of you know his music. He wrote a book called No Compromise, which I would encourage you to read. But he said this. He said, Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me, for it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. Thank you, Lord, for being patient with me, for it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me, you know, I've tried and I've tried, but I simply just can't get away from myself. You guys ever been there? Tried and tried and I can't get away from myself. I'm telling you, you can move to a different city. You can't get away from yourself. You can change careers. You can change jobs. You can change schools and you can't get away from yourself, You know what? You can change spouses. You can even change kids. You can change your wardrobe. I probably need to do that. You can change your hairdo. I definitely need to do that. You can do all these different things. And you know what I've come to realize? Wherever I go, there I am. <laughs> Wherever I go, there I am. But the reality is, as a believer in this room tonight, that there is a greater truth than even wherever I go, there I am. And the greater truth, if you're a believer in this room tonight, everybody looking at me is this. Wherever I go, there he is. Wherever I go, there he is. Psalms 139, 7 through 11. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven... You are there. If I mate my bed in hell, don't do that. Behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. First Corinthians 619 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Everybody say that with me. I am not my own. Say it a second time with conviction. I am not my own. It's a wonderful wonderful truth in your life. We're talking about overcoming self. I am not my own. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Less of yourself, more of the spirit. Becoming someone who is spirit-led and not self-led. Philippians 2:3 says, "Let nothing be done through self, selfish ambition, Or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Thayer's lexicon defines self or selfishness, selfish ambition, as electioneering, the desire to put oneself forward. Webster's defines selfishness as, and Webster doesn't, doesn't pull any punches here. Concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. Tonight, I want to give you two strategic ways. I know that there are probably more, but when I was praying and looking into this, I think these are two pivotal strategic ways in overcoming self. And number one is this. Go all in with the Holy Spirit. Go all in with the Holy Spirit. Tonight we're going to do a little bit of a case study on the disciples, but specifically with Peter, James, and John, okay? And we're talking about overcoming self here, going all in with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 9 and verse 46, and we'll read through uh, verse 55. I'm going to stop periodically and highlight some things about James and John in this passage and the disciples. So it's the book of Luke, chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading in verse 46. Then a dispute arose among them, As to which of them would be the greatest. Okay, pause real quick. This is roughly two and a half years into them walking with Jesus in his ministry basically every day. Signs, healings, miracles, wonders, miraculous teaching. This is about roughly around two and a half years. And this is what it says, verse 46. Let me start over. Then a dispute arose among them as which would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, all will be great. They are consumed at about the two and a half year point of walking with Jesus in ministry on who would be the greatest among them so consumed that even james and john's mom got into this discussion in matthew 20 20 through 24 and you don't have to turn there i'm going to read it to you then the mother of zebedee's son james and john came to came to jesus with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him are you guys getting this picture and he said to her what do you wish She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. Are you kidding me? We are able You've got no idea what's going on, son. But you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting about this? Jesus, in his mercy, grace, and knowledge, he knew what was going to happen in their life. And so he tells them, you will be baptized with this baptism, and you will drink of this cup. You know why? Because after the cross and they went on, Sharing, Both of them died as martyrs for advances his kingdom to the nations. You did get that baptism. You did drink of that cup. But you have no idea what you're asking right here. We're going to pick back up Luke chapter 9, 49. Now John answered and said, this is just continuation here. I'm just reading straight through, man, okay? And, and remember, these, these, these is, this is like the Navy SEALs of, of, of Christians here. These are the disciples. Peter, James, and John, they're like SEAL Team 6 of the disciples. You get know what I'm saying? These are the three that he takes over to himself and prays with him and stuff like that. Verse 49 said, Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We forbid him, because he does not follow with us. Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him. For who is not against us is on our side. They're consumed with who is the greatest among them. They were also exclusive. They wanted their own sect. They didn't understand yet that the the ministry of Jesus was not just about them. Are you guys following what I'm saying here? They're consumed with who will be the greatest. They're exclusive to their own sect. And in verse 51... It came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But the Samaritans didn't receive him because his face, where he was intent on going, was to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, remember those guys, James and John, uh, we want to be the greatest, sit on your right and your left. Those are the same guys. They saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Jesus turns and he rebukes them. He said, you don't even know what manner of the spirit you were of. You don't even know what manner of the spirit you were of. Guys, they had the spirit of murder on them. So much so, they wanted to pull an Elijah and bring down fire and burn up a Samaritan village and they had done nothing wrong. We're concerned with who's going to be the greatest. This is about us and our own sect. You know what, God? I'll pull an Elijah. I've got spirit of murder on me. We'll burn down this whole village. Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Two and a half years of miracles, signs, wonders, miraculous teachings, and this is where you're at. What in the heck is going on? Just a handful of months away, roughly six months away, from Jesus going to the cross. And this is the condition of his top guy's hearts. You guys following with me? This is the condition of their heart. Why don't I call down fire like Elijah and burn up that whole village? You don't even know what spirit you're of. You don't even know what you're asking. Now, the beauty of serving a God of restoration and redemption, a God who loves us dearly. Let us fast forward to the Last Supper in the garden. And a lot of that was on James and John, but let's focus in a little bit on Peter here and see where his heart was during this time. Matthew 26, verse 31. If you want to turn over there with me, you can. 26, verse 31. Tell end of the Lord's Supper here. We'll pick up reading. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, "Assuredly, I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Picking up verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Okay? Sit here while I go and pray over there. But he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. These guys we've just been talking about here wanted to call down and kill the whole Samaritan village. He takes those guys with him in his grace and mercy and love. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Verse 38, he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for an hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will be done. Talk about a display of overcoming self. Verse 43, and he came and he found him asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand." Verse 47, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12 with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus, we know as Peter, stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father? He will provide, with, he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. And now let's skip down. Jesus goes to face the Sanhedrin, and let's go over to verse 69. Verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. I do not know the man. Verse 73. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. You're from Galilee, Peter. Then he began to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. Cursing and swearing. Immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny, deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Folks, in a 12-hour period, from dinner until the sun came up, okay? Dinner until the sun came up. This is, this is Peter. He argued with Jesus that he would not deny him, even though you would think after three years, Peter would know that Jesus he doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't lie. He doesn't make any mistakes. Two, three different times could not stay awake in the garden during Jesus' most desperate time of need. Number three, cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Again, Peter, he's seen every miracle of Jesus. Go through the Rolodex of miracles that he's seen on the Mount of Transfiguration. God, let me build a house up here with Moses and Elijah. He's, he's seen it all. But he pulls out a sword to cut off the ear. Peter, Jesus doesn't need a sword. What he asked and what he needed was for you to stay awake and pray and watch in the garden. Number four, denies even knowing Jesus three different times with an oath With an oath. Into the point of cursing. We all know this story. All of this happens in roughly a 12-hour span. These are the elite, the best of the best, Peter, James, and John. So fast forward with me just a couple of months roughly to the book of Acts chapter two, okay? You guys stick with me, I'm going somewhere here. The book of Acts chapter two, verse one. You can turn there if you, not, if you want to, if you don't, I'm gonna read it. Book of Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And When the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. We'll skip down to verse 12. So they were all amazed and, and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, "They are full, they are full of new wine." But Peter, what? What, Peter? Peter, you've got to be joking. This is the guy the last 12 hours? made four. Four critical hours and twelve and twelve hours from dinner until the sun rose, and here's Peter, roughly two months later, Peter stands up with the eleven, raises his voice in the middle of Jerusalem with what will be great, great persecution, and he addresses them, the crowd, thousands of people. Hop over. To chapter three of Acts, verse one. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of the prayer to pray. What? Are you guys, is this the same guy? Jesus said, all I need you to do is come here and be beside me and pray. I'm here right now. Jesus in the flesh, Emmanuel incarnate. I'm right here in the garden of Gethsemane. I'm about to go to the cross. Can you just stay awake and watch and pray right now with me? No, I can't do it. In fact, I'm going to fall asleep three different times. Now Peter and John, John who's consumed with who's going to be the greatest and sitting on the right hand of the Father, calling down Elijah miracles, burning up Samaritan villages. Now they're going to the temple to pray? You guys ever thought about this? This stuff's crazy. What happened in two months of time? It's not what happened over days or months. It's what happened in a moment. In a moment. It's called Pentecost. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew. Jesus was trying to get to the cross as fast as he could. I'm serious, because he knew it was the redemption of mankind, but he also knew these men who were around him, these these great men, they needed the Holy Spirit. Because obviously, it's not working out real great. You need the Holy Spirit. They suffered from an issue of proximity. Jesus the Incarnate was Emmanuel with them. But he knew that was not the ultimate fulfillment. That was the fulfillment of the cross and redemption, but that was not the fulfillment of sanctification and the, and the final furthering of the kingdom. There was a proximity issue, and it's no longer God with us, it's God in us. It's God in us. There was a proximity issue with them. It wasn't enough for him to be there in the flesh. It was great, but guess what? They were under his covering, his anointing, his power, his authority. Now they have their own inside of them. In a moment, it all changed. Look at what I read. Completely different man. Then Peter says to this lame man, My mind's still baffled here that I'm talking about the same guy. I I step back and I think about it. It's like, man, I don't even know if I'd have been as good as Peter. Some of you might have been better. I don't even know if I'd have been as good as Peter. But Peter here with John, this lame man asking for money, he said, no, no, no. He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. It's no longer God with them, it's God in them. It's it's no longer wherever I go, there I am. It's wherever I go, I'm bringing him with me, inside of me. Wherever I go, the fruit of the Spirit is coming with me, or it should be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what we should be showing and reflecting in our life, because we're empowered by the one who lives inside of us. Remember, we are not our own anymore. You're not your own. So wherever I go, I'm bringing the fruit. I'm bringing the gifts of the Spirit. Miracles. Miracles right there with the layman. Healings, signs, and wonders. Amen. Thank you. I want to pause and. I want to ask you something about the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. One God, three distinct different roles. You guys following me, class? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Is there any one part of the Trinity that is more important or more significant than the other? Let me ask it another way. Is there any part of the Trinity that is less significant or less important than the other? No. I wonder why we have such difficulty walking with the Holy Spirit in the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, the Holy Spirit, it's like almost like this taboo word, like I don't quite get it. And and that's a, a first problem is it's not an it, it's a he, he inside of you. It's almost like an uncle at a family gathering. You know, it's like, you know, they're supposed to be there, they're there, they're going to show up. It's consistent, but like you don't know what to do with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sure. I mean, I know they're here. We're related. It's all, it's all this, but I don't know. I'm not sure about that, so I'll just leave that over there. But I just ask you, is there a more or less important part of the Trinity? The surrendering and immersing yourself in the Holy Spirit is not something kooky, strange, or magical. It's not. It's not about speaking in tongues or prophecy or raising the dead. However, those are great things and to be desired. Paul tells us that multiple times, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, that passage to be longed for, to be desired. But it's not about those things. The reality is that walking in a relationship with the Holy Spirit is about being empowered to walk out God's truth. To walk out God's truth, to walk out the fruits and the gifts of spirit, to be able to have wisdom and walk in counsel in every situation. Could you imagine that? To be able to walk in wisdom and counsel in every situation? It is the empowerment to be a witness of Jesus Christ on this earth. This is what the Holy Spirit is about the empowerment to be a witness of Jesus Christ on this earth. So I want to ask you, what are you filled with? What are you filled with? If we were to cut your soul and spirit man open, what are we going to find? This temple where the spirit is to reside, that we're to be in relationship with, what would we find if we were to cut you open? Your actions come out of what you're filled with. Your words come out of what you're filled with. Your ministry comes out of what you're filled with. Folks, Let me say it this way. If you have gone all in with Jesus, you must go all in with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you why. It was his plan. It was his plan. God's plan, the biblical plan. If you have gone all in with Jesus, you must go all in with the Holy Spirit. Folks, We need the Holy Spirit. We have got Jesus correct. We have got his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We have got that correct. People believe in Jesus. People are promoting Jesus around the world. We all love Jesus. But that next phase, the Holy Spirit, which was his plan, is still a little hazy. He, the Spirit, is inside of us to empower us, folks, to live out his truth. If you've gone all in with Jesus, you've got to go all in with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, um, where am I at There it is. We're talking about overcoming self. To overcome self, going all in with the Holy Spirit it's a mandatory step. The second thing is this, and it goes right hand in hand, and it's this. Serve your tail off. Serve your tail off. Listen real closely to this. The stench of self will leave you when the heart of a servant comes upon you. Please, if you're taking notes, write that down. The stench of self will leave you. Man, I mean, we hate our, the self part of us. Now, we don't hate our self. You know what I'm saying? We, we hate the, the flesh that when we promote that electioneering. Man, it's so disgusting. Am I talking to anyone here? Where you just realize like, man, this is me, me, me. It's so wrong. Stench of self will leave you when the heart of a servant comes upon you. Matthew twenty twenty five through 28. You don't have to turn there. It's the continuation of when uh, James and John's mom asked, hey, can, can my sons be on the right or the left? And it said, well, when the 10 heard it, the other disciples, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Listen, folks, whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The word servant there is the Greek word diakonos. And it means this, one who executes the commands of another. And in our life, it's one who executes the commands of the man living inside of us. The serving of the man living inside of us. Literally what it means. This is, completely counterculture for us in America in the western world this idea in our culture it's serve me attend to my needs wait on me make my life easier make my life more efficient me 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 electioneering 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 But here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to be great, if you want to be great, then listen to the man inside of you and serve him. If you want to be great, then serve your spouse. If you want to be great, then attend to your children. If you want to be great, then deacon the church. Deacon meaning care for, give to, and serve the church. Greatness is not bowing down to the almighty self every day, but getting on your knees and asking the Holy Spirit to make you a servant of the Most High. Mother Teresa famously said, We can do no great things, only small things with great love. We can do no great things, only small things with great love. Hone in on the small ways to serve in everyday life and serve your tail off. Are you guys with me tonight? Hone in on the small ways in everyday life and serve your tele. If you want to right a wrong marriage, if your marriage is in a difficult place, get with this man who lives inside of you. If he lives inside of you, surrender to the spirit and serve your spouse. If you want to raise great kids, then get with the Spirit of God and serve your kids. If you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and what God has for you, His calling that you have on this earth, then get with the Spirit of God inside of you. Ask Him questions. Take time to listen and then serve your tail off Spirit of God. Serve. Spirit serve. Spirit serve. I can't even do three points tonight. I couldn't, I couldn't go there. It'd be too complicated. This is just right. It's two. Spirit serve. Spirit serve. This is the life post-crucifixion and atonement. This is the life that God has called us to live as new covenant believers. Spirit-filled believers serving everyone around us. Spirit serve. If we don't, if we don't go all in with the spirit, there will always be something missing. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about eternity with God. That's not what, that is secure. That's by grace, by grace. It's by His grace, the work of the cross through faith. Ephesians two eight and nine tell us. That's Not what I'm talking about but for your sanctification in your life now, for operating in the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit, for your marriage, for your children, for your calling, for overcoming sin, addiction, and walking in greater freedom, we have no option but to go all in with the Spirit. And it's as simple as taking your dog and going for a walk and saying, Holy Spirit, here is what's on my heart. Here are the top things that are on my mind. And giving them to him and then taking time to listen and letting him download stuff. You say, Well, I don't ever hear him. He doesn't speak to me. That, that, that's not the point. He's supernatural. We're natural. He can download supernatural, and our natural never registers it. But somehow, every day can seem the same, but a year later, everything's changed. You guys get what I'm saying? Every day can see the same, same dog, same walk, same spirit, year later, whoa. It's all changed. Supernatural, we don't, you don't question it, you bow down to it, you obey it and surrender to it. Everybody stand up with me.